It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931 381-4567 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you into the Virtual Bible Study. This is the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, November 1st, 2012. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you on the Virtual Bible Study. It's November. It's election time. It is. And uh, lots of people are thinking about voting. Yes, and we, we right at the top of the program, we want to go to a special guest we've got on the line. Uh, we've got uh, State Representative Joey Hensley on the line. Uh, Joey, welcome to the Virtual Bible Study. Well, thank you. It's good to be here. Now, you are currently a state representative, but you're running for state senate here in Tennessee, correct? Yes, uh, that's correct. I've been serving in the legislature in the 70th House District for the last 10 years, and now I'm running for the 28th State Senate District. All right. Now, tell if, uh, now, now we've got listeners all over the country and in other parts of the world even, but for those listeners in, in the Middle Tennessee area, tell us uh, some of the communities that are in Senate District 28. It includes Murray County, uh, Giles County, Lawrence County, Lewis, Perry and Wayne counties. All right, and so my, uh, my my house dis- district presently has Lewis, Lawrence, and part of Wayne County. All right, so, so so our so our listeners who are f- who are from this area will know right where you're talking about. And the reason we wanted to get yes. in touch with you, Representative Hensley, is I've been getting some flyers from you in my mailbox touting that uh, <laughs> you are uh, you are a man of uh, moral conviction and that uh, that we should vote for you because of certain positions you would have against abortion and uh, in pr- favor of uh, traditional, as it's called, uh, marriage uh, relationships. Um, tell, yeah. tell us about what motivates you uh, as you uh, go uh, in your campaign and as you want to go to uh, to the Senate. Uh, what's motivating you in, along these moral lines? Well, I'm, I'm a Christian. I was, I was raised in a, a Pentecostal church, actually, so uh, I believe in God and putting God first and putting God first in my life. And uh, I use that conviction in my political life, and I base my decisions on that. And I, I don't believe we can really separate our moral convictions with our our political convictions. So uh, I was actually right to life legislator of the year back in 2009, I, I'm a firm believer that life begins at conception and that we need to protect life and especially protect the unborn life. And uh, it's a a life to itself, and uh, I, I just firmly believe that uh, we are, as a government and as a people, we should to protect those lives that uh, can't protect themselves. Now, some of that conviction that you have as regards to life beginning at conception, you're also a medical doctor, correct? I am, yes. And, and so, uh, I'm, I'm a, a, a family practitioner, and actually when I 
first began practicing, I delivered babies, too, for about five years. I don't do it now, but I certainly still take care of children and uh, all ages. So I, so I see life in all stages. And uh, uh, many, many times I've, I've helped a newborn baby, and then I've been with uh, people when they take their last breath. So I've, I've seen it through, through all the stages. Well, uh, obviously we are very sympathetic with the positions that you're taking on pro-life and the sanctity of marriage and and, and against the, the same-sex marriages that are becoming very popular. How do you, how do you uh, I'm kind of interested to know what kind of a feedback you're getting from your constituents. Uh, how important are these issues to the people of the 28th District in Tennessee? Well, the people in my district, I believe, are firm believers in traditional marriage. I'm a firm believer in traditional marriage. I believe in the Bible. I believe God considers homosexual lifestyle to be a sin and perversion, and I and I believe that's one of the problems with, with our society today is the traditional family, not only on the homosexual lifestyle, but so many single parents and so many homes without a father in them. It's, it's part of the problem with our society today. And I actually sponsored legislation in this past session that would prevent uh, uh, teachers in, in K-8 from teaching about homosexuality in the the uh, elementary schools. Yeah, we talked, with the, we talked with the sponsor in the Senate Senator, earlier. Senator Jackson, wasn't Senator Jackson? No, Camfield. Uh, Camp, yes, yeah. yeah. Yes. yes, we we spoke with him on our program about that. Uh, the don't say gay bill, I guess, is as it was referred yes. to. Yes. yes. Well, that's and so you were sponsoring that on the House side. I was. Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, have you gotten any negative reaction from people uh, when you take these positions? Do Do you find? I, I would think in Tennessee that we're obviously more more. Uh, morally conservative than you'd find in some places in the country, but have you found any who really oppose you on these specific uh, stances? Well, certainly you have a few uh, gay rights individuals, but they're very few, and certainly in my district I see very, very few, and uh, I live in a conservative area of southern middle Tennessee, and and people on on both sides of the aisle actually uh, pretty much believe in traditional marriage, and as you know, Tennessee has a constitutional amendment that we passed several years ago and put in our Tennessee Constitution that we will not recognize same-sex marriage in Tennessee. So we already have that in in our our state constitution. But I'm a firm believer in traditional marriage. Uh, a a mother and father, and I was raised in a Christian home. Had a a Christian mother and father, and and I believe that's ultimately that the way God intended it to be. So many people don't have that mother and father like I was blessed with, but uh, I certainly believe that the homosexual lifestyle and and the homosexual agenda, so to speak, is one of the problems with society today. And uh, as long as I'm I'm in office, I will oppose that. Now, what what, what direction uh, you you have a, a sense of where you think the country is headed, and specifically where our state is headed? What direction do you see it going? Do you see it going in a direction towards God or towards away, uh, away from God, uh, from your your vantage point there? Well, sadly, our country as a whole, uh, with our president, 
uh, recognizing same-sex marriage and uh, so many areas in this country pushing for that. I hope that that our country does not go down that, that route. I, I believe Tennessee, fortunately, is different, and many of these southern states are different. They still believe in traditional marriage, and uh, but uh, our country as a whole, I'm afraid if we don't stop it now, that it's uh, going to go further down down that road of recognizing same-sex marriage. Do you and think? That, do you think actually, that that legislatively that you can, that that tide can be stemmed? Obviously, we we agree with you that the country is in a in moral decline. How effective do you think government, not just state government, but federal government, the whole the whole gamut of government, how effective do you think government can be in restraining that trend toward more and more ungodliness and immorality? Well, certainly government has a role. Government can can only do so much. But we can, in our public education system, we can uh, not recognize it. We can uh, not allow teachers to... to to teach children that it that that's just an, an acceptable alternate lifestyle. I certainly don't believe that, and I think that our public schools should not be teaching that. Of course, this is America, and people can do what they want to do. They have the freedom to do that, but they don't really have the freedom to try to force it on other people, and that's where I'm afraid the homosexual agenda is going to not only require people to accept it but but want people to accept it as just a perfectly acceptable alternative and that's where i think government does have a role and certainly not recognizing it as an acceptable alternative to marriage and tennessee does does not do that and unless the federal government forces it to we will not recognize same-sex marriage the government does have a role but uh like you know america uh, people have the right to to live their life how they want to, but don't have the right to try to force it on, on other people. Let me ask you a question. We talk to a lot of people from time to time who uh, are going to vote the party line, whether that candidate stands for uh, the, the marriage, on the, where they stand on the marriage issue, where they stand on the issue of abortion and other things. People are going to vote that party line and uh, have and not really – put a lot of weight on on these moral issues what would be your response uh to that do you think that's the right approach the wrong approach how would you how would you answer those who would say i'm going to vote republican or i'm going to vote democrat regardless of where someone may stand on the moral issues well i think people need to belong to the party that best represents their values and and too many people in my district uh that are uh, are in the democrat party do not believe what the Democrat Party stands for nationally, and our president, uh, President Obama, has recognized same-sex marriage, wants to make make abortion on demand legal, and wants to have the government pay for it. And so many Democrats in my district say they don't believe that. So I, I don't really understand how people can vote for members of a party or be in a party if they don't share those values. I'm, I'm a Republican because that, that party shares my values, and if they did not share my vote my uh, moral values, I, I wouldn't be able to belong to that party or vote for people in that party. So I, I don't understand sometimes how people do that. They they vote for the Democrat Party or the, the Democrat nominee 
when they don't believe what the party stands for. So many, and even my my opponent here claims to to not believe most of those things that the Democrat Party stands for, but still he's a Democrat. So, but it is getting to be fewer and fewer, and that's one reason why the Republicans uh, uh, won so many seats in uh, our General Assembly two years ago because the, the National Democrat Party no longer represents many of these conservative Democrats. Uh, Representative Hensley, uh, we're going to let you go here. Uh, we didn't. We don't want to keep yeah, you too long. Yeah, he, he's traveling back from a, a campaign event tonight. So okay. Uh, we, yeah, we, we did, yeah. But I have one last question. It's kind of a touchy question. Your opponent has brought up some past history in your personal life about uh, a failed marriage or two, and yes. uh, uh, I'd like to give you a chance to address that. How, how should voters view? Not just your kid. I'm gonna talk, I'm There's not, another primary, uh, prominent candidate who's been uh, exposed in some things this week as well. Yeah, yeah. How should voters yeah. view a candidate's past uh, in regards to uh, their vote for a specific candidate? I'm not, I'm not asking you necessarily to explain your yeah. case specifically, but what's your view? Well, certainly, I have been married before, 20 years ago, and certainly, I think. There's a lot of people do things in their life that they wish they could change, but I would think most people would vote for a person that, that they think can can represent their, their values at the present time and realize that things, a lot of people have things in their past that they wish they could change, but we can't change our past. But I've served 10 years in the legislature, so people certainly have my 10-year record they can look at and they can see where I stand on moral issues and moral values and all of my other votes. So that's what I hope people look at when they cast the vote for me and realize that, that there are some things in my life, uh, certainly nothing like some of these other issues with the, the, the U.S. Congress candidate, but but I was married before and certainly did not work out, but we didn't have any children, didn't have any abortion issues or any of those things. But that was 20 years ago, and certainly I'm married now, 13 years. I have a wonderful wife. We have three children. I've been blessed, and certainly uh, uh, straightened up from some things that I that I'd done in my past. But those were many years ago, and I and I think most people look at candidates, not not only only myself, but other candidates, and realize that sometimes people do some things that they wish they could change, and I realize understand. that. that that they've—that's uh, 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 not really what they are at the present time, and so I think people realize that. Okay. Well, uh, state Tennessee State Representative Joy Hensley running for state senate in District 28. Thanks for joining us on the virtual Bible study tonight. And and thank it's you and thank you for the stand that you've taken in the past, and we'll look forward to you doing that as well if you're elected uh, uh, defending those uh, moral principles we all hold dear. Well, thank you. I'll continue doing that. Thanks for having me. Thanks very much. Thank you. All right. Uh, Representative Joey Hensley, appreciate him being on the program and uh, some interesting perspective and encouraging to hear that uh, that, uh, our representatives are, at least to some extent, are concerned about moral issues. Yeah, that's right. And that's what we want to talk about uh, for the rest of our program. We wanted to use that brief interview with uh, uh, Mr. Hensley to introduce the topic. Obviously, next Tuesday is Election Day. And so... We want to spend our time on the virtual Bible study tonight talking about voting our moral conscience, basically, and and the importance of taking a stand with our vote. And so uh, we were up to break time, but let me give you the question. We've got to start with the fundamental question, and that is, can we vote? The first question we're going to talk about, are Christians authorized to vote and participate in political matters? We 
We want to hear scriptural arguments for and against that. So that's what we'll go to when we come back from this break. All right, we're going to take a break, and we'll get your thoughts. Is it permissible? Is it authorized in the scriptures for Christians to vote in the upcoming election? Let us know your thoughts. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. Don't go anywhere. We'll continue right after this. You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages. Hello. Hey, Matt. No, I don't have any plans for Friday night. What are you doing? Oh, I won't be able to go with you to watch that movie. Because, Matt, the movie is rated R. Hey, why don't you just come over and hang out at my house Friday night? Great, I'll see you there. Being pleasing to God means that you may have to be different than the crowd. But don't be afraid to stand up for what's right. You just might find it is easier than what you expect. A message brought to you by College U Church of Christ. Hello, my name's Jeffrey Vernon. I'm 13, and this is the Virtual Bible Study. That was me five years ago. Now I'm 18, and I still love listening to the Virtual Bible Study. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. The Virtual Bible Study continues. We're back on the Virtual Bible Study tonight as we talk about voting and uh, what we should do in the upcoming election. Let us know your thoughts. We're not picking parties here. We're not picking candidates. We're talking principles, and that's uh, we want to make that clear. Yeah, I think uh, we're not in the, we don't need to be in the political business. I think that's I think that's very important disclaimer, Jacob, that we... We're not taking a political stand for a political party or even, for that matter, for a specific political candidate. We're talking about the principles that would guide us in, in personally choosing to vote for someone. Yeah. Running How do you make that decision? How do you make that Can decision? you make the decision? Yeah. 877-381-4567. If you're in the chat room tonight watching us live, let us know your thoughts. What do you think about the interview with uh, Representative Hensley? You may not be from this area, but what do you think about his approach and uh, his Comments, we'll let you uh, join in the chat room there. We can include your comments. Yeah, so our questions that we sent out earlier today to our update list, remember you can always get on that list if you're not. Send us a message to questions at collegeview.com. Just say, put me on the list. We'll do it. And here, and on Thursday, about noontime, we send out our subject for the study that day, and uh, we uh, put out some questions seeking your feedback. Number one, are Christians authorized to vote or participate in political matters? Give your best scriptural arguments for and against such participation. So, can, first of all, and I think, as you said, Jacob, that's the necessary first, can we vote? Then, we're going to go to if and when Christians vote, what should be their specific priorities in choosing candidates? We want you to give us a list of the things that you think are important. Like the economy. Yeah. Foreign interest. Yeah. Well, list those things if they're Bridges, important. Yeah. yeah. Right. Bridges, roads. Right. Army. Trash removal. <laughs> I like. I, I want to tell you, I'm personally in favor of trash okay. removal, and if the guys don't do that, I'm right. going to be I'm upset. Them out. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, we ask, give a detailed list of moral issues that you believe a Christian should consider, and and should moral issues be the only thing that a Christian considers in decisions about voting? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then finally, can a Christian vote for someone who differs with them on religious and doctrinal issues? Can a Christian, and then can a Christian vote for someone who has a known history of moral failing? Okay. We talked about that with uh, Representative Hensley. We'll take those comments towards the end of the program as well. All right. Let's start with that first one. Can Christians vote and, and, and participate in political matters? You know, I think a lot of people would say, well, of course. Uh, you know, the, uh, people might be surprised at that question, but the fact of the matter is that that's not a given. 
And that's been a point of some uh, controversy right. uh, through the years. For instance, many of our listeners will know of David Lipscomb. Mm-hmm. He wrote a book. Of course, David Lipscomb is back in Civil War times. Right. And, and he was a pacifist. Mm-hmm. And, and he wrote uh, a book entitled Civil Government. And he took the position that Christians ought not to vote. He, continued, he contended that the Bible teaches God rules and the kings of men, puts into office those he chooses, referencing Daniel 2 and Daniel 4. All right. And he says, and he concluded that Christians ought to leave the matter to him, remain aloof from the political process, uh, and, and but he wasn't the first one to ever take that yeah. position. In other yeah. words, just let God take care of it. It's okay. not our business. We, all right. uh, we, we would agree that God still rules in the kingdoms of men. Right. Uh, historian Edward Gibbon who you remember wrote about the decline and fall of the Roman uh-huh, Empire, right. that, that Gibbon. Okay, that, that's Gibbon. He said that early Christians refused to, quote, take any active part in civil administration of the empire. Okay. Philip Schaff, who, of course, is a well-known church historian, uh, called attention to what the early Christians did. He said they had a, quote, disregard for politics and a depreciation of all civil and temporal affairs uh, as compared with their spiritual and eternal interests. Oh, it's interesting. So, uh, yeah. hmm. so again, it's not a given. Christians have not always just assumed, of course we can vote. Now, referencing those historical footnotes does not prove anything. And I think we've got to make our conclusion based upon what the Bible says. All right, it does. And uh, let us know your thoughts, 877 Paul in the chat room says, Esther went before the king to save her people. The providence of God worked through her. There's a good Old Testament uh, Thank you, Paul, for that reference. comment. Uh, Jack in Hampshire uh, sends in his comments. He says, yes, the law of the land approves our rights as citizens of the United States to vote. And although the Bible doesn't reveal a direct command to vote, voting doesn't violate any of God's laws. As such, we're authorized to vote. For me, it is also about following the Lord's command to let our light shine before men. Since I follow God's will, my prayer is that God's light will shine through the man I select. I select this man in light of God's word, and although he may not believe everything God approves of, my choice will be the one who best demonstrates God's will. Thank you, Jack. I I, I agree with Jack, and I would use that verse, too, uh, from Matthew chapter 5 in the Sermon on the Mount. Remember, Jesus said, you're the salt of the earth. He also said, you're the light of the world. Uh, you, you remember that famous text, uh, mm-hmm. Matthew five thirteen through 16. So uh, we actually have an assignment to be salt, which suggests a preservative to yep. the society that we're yep. in, and a light to show truth and righteousness right. in the society that we're in. And I believe that we can use that verse to argue that voting is a way uh, for us to uphold righteous principles in the culture in which we live. Okay, uh, If all people who who honor godly principles re- refrained from voting, uh, then the immoral elements of our society would be unrestrained in choosing leaders who would go in the wrong direction. So I think that I would agree with, with Jack's argument from Matthew 5, verses 13 through 16. And Monty is behind the controls tonight, raising his arm. Monty, go ahead. Well, if, going by the scripture where it talks about God rules in the affairs of men and in nations, God has, in effect, then established a process by which his people can influence what goes on in our government through our through this voting process. So, in effect, I would maybe argue that in order to be good stewards of this process that God has given us, we should exercise our right to vote and vote for who we feel is the best candidate that would support moral values. Okay. 
Chris in uh, Atlanta, we're still needing Chris as a guest on the program. He hasn't stepped forward to volunteer yet. We'll keep working on him until he does. Chris says, yes, we are allowed to take part in voting and political matters. We are commanded in Romans 13, 1 through 7, to obey the laws that have those that have rule over us, so long as God's word is not violated. Our government has set up a system and written laws that allow us to vote and elect the leaders we feel best. I would agree that it's legal, and therefore that in and of itself doesn't prohibit us from doing it, but not everything that's legal is authorized. Right. It's legal to drink alcohol. Legal to have and, an abortion. It's legal to have abortion. So uh, just the fact that it's legal doesn't mean we can necessarily do it. But I would agree with Chris's conclusion that that we can. I, if if I was going to give my biblical arguments, I'd, I would use the verse that we referenced earlier from Matthew 5 about being salt and light. A couple other things I think we can use from the New Testament. In Acts 16, you may remember, that's that's the, you'll remember that text from the... Uh, Philippian jailer, the yes. conversion of the Philippian jailers, jailer. But you remember, Paul and Silas had been beaten and thrown in prison, and that's when they, of course, after the earthquake and all, they met and converted the Philippian jailer. Well, the next day it says the magistrates sent. This is uh, Acts 16, beginning about verse 35. The magistrates sent the sergeants, saying, "Let those men go." And the keeper of the prison told this, saying to Paul. The magistrates have sent to you to let you go. Now, therefore, depart and go in peace. But Paul said to them, they have beaten us openly, uncondemned, being Romans, and, <clears throat> and have cast us into prison. And now do they thrust us out privily? Nay, verily, but let them come themselves and fetch us out. And the sergeants told these words to the magistrates, and they feared when they heard that they were Romans. You see what Paul did there? Paul was actually using his rights as a Roman citizen. He, he, was, he was exercising his rights. In other words, he was basically saying, our rights as citizens have been violated here, and, and we expect that some apology, at least, uh, for the fact that they have violated what we're guaranteed as citizens of the Roman Empire. So I think there's a principle. Paul set forth by apostolic example there, a principle. It is, it is right to exercise our rights as citizens. Okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Okay. Um, then another passage in Acts, chapter 22. Uh, in Jerusalem, when Paul arrived in Jerusalem at the end of his third missionary journey, you remember there was a big uproar, and he was taken uh, prisoner. And uh, he, he didn't cause the uproar. His enemies did, but, but he was seen to be the focal point of that uproar. And so the soldiers seized him. And uh, they bound him. It says in Acts 22, about verse 25, as they bound him with thongs, Paul said to the centurion that stood by, Is it lawful for you to scourge a man that is a Roman and uncondemned? You see, he, he, he again exercised his rights as a citizen in the Roman Empire. Okay. Uh, and then, of course, probably the best known uh, episode uh, along those lines in the life of Paul is in chapter 25, uh, verses 10 and 11. Paul said, I stand at Caesar's judgment seat where I ought to be judged. To the Jews I have done no wrong, as thou very well knowest. For if I be an offender or have committed anything worthy of death, I refuse not to die. But if there be none of these things whereof these accuse me, no man may deliver me unto them. I appeal unto Caesar. And so there again, one more time, we see Paul uh, uh, defending his, using, employing his rights as a citizen. Now, I think as Monty said, uh, uh, and as Chris mentioned, we have rights as citizens of the United States. And they're not ungodly rights. In other words, you said legal abortion. That's a right, unfortunately, in our society, but that's right. an ungodly, immoral, uh, okay. sinful thing. Okay. 
But voting uh, is a right, and and best as I can tell, there's nothing about voting that is inherently sinful or immoral, and it gives us a right to exercise our influence in the culture and society in which right. we live. For those reasons, I would argue that, yes, we can. All right. And God, God is in control of the kingdoms of men, uh, Monty, but, uh, you know, just because we're in this world and acting doesn't uh, mean that it's going to preclude anything that God uh, would want to do. God needs uh, he needs righteous people to accomplish the righteous things that he wants to accomplish in the society as well. You know, the New Testament teaches us to go teach all nations and to teach others. Well, I would think that part of that teaching process you might could <clears throat> stretch it on out to understand that part of that would be in this voting process. We can teach people that Christians can influence what happens in politics by exercising our vote and hopefully accomplishing good things as opposed to just standing back and letting evil prevail because there's a old saying that says the only thing that has to happen for evil to prevail is for good men to do nothing. Mm-hmm. And so I don't believe we should just be sitting back and doing nothing okay. when we have something that we can legally, legitimately, and apparently with no immorality about it or any questionable moral value about it. There's something we can do. All right. We have an interesting question posed in the chat room. We can use it uh, as we go into the break. Uh, Guest 140 says, are women in subjection to their husbands to vote for the candidate he tells her? Uh, Okay. We'll get to that. Hey, I got real quick before we go to the break. I got one, I thought, sort of interesting note about politics from Jesus. Okay. In Luke chapter 13, verse 31, beginning... The same day there were certain there came certain of the Pharisees saying to him, Get thee out and depart hence, for Herod will kill thee. And he said to them, Go ye and tell that fox, Behold, I cast out devils, and I do cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I shall be perfected. And Jesus really made a political statement there. He called the the political leader, he said, Go tell that fox. And so in other words, Jesus had a had a view of the politics of Herod and expressed it. And basically said, You tell him. I'm doing the work of God, and I'm going to keep on doing it. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what. Uh, maybe we'll put that to our listeners. What can we draw from? What conclusion can we draw from the fact that Jesus said of Herod, "Go tell that fox." All right. We'll talk about that on the other side of the break, hopefully as well. And we'll look get your thoughts. What about the women voting? Do they need to vote what their husband says for them to vote? Uh, and uh, we'll also uh, get a comment from Paul here in the chat room as well. I think it's very valuable to take that as we get along as well. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study will continue right after this. Now you can listen to a podcast of a recent sermon every week. Find out more at collegeview.com. There's more of the virtual Bible study right after these important messages. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. Someone has observed, one disadvantage of having nothing to do is that you can't stop and rest. Well said. There are too many lazy people in our society who need to learn that lesson. There are also some folks in the Lord's church that need to learn this principle. It also applies spiritually. The scriptures give us this promise. Quote, I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Write, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, and their works do follow them. Revelation 14, verse 13. Rest from our labors is what we've been promised, but some Christians need to ask, what labors have I been engaged in? Have I been faithful in attendance? Have I shown my love for God and encouraged my brethren by attending every service, including Sunday and Wednesday night? Have I tried to teach lost souls what they need to do to be saved? Have I been involved in the various personal work efforts of the local congregation? Can I be counted on to teach classes when needed, or do I shirk this responsibility, leaving it for others? Do I pitch in and help when the chores of cleaning the building, doing repair work, preparing the communion, and so forth need to be done? 
Or do I simply expect others to get these jobs done for me? Do I gladly serve others, giving rides, visiting the sick, helping the needy, admonishing the weak? Remember, the Lord has promised rest from our labors. But if we're not working now, we don't have anything to be looking forward to. No work, no rest. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. I am Nestor Sanchez from Arica, Chile in South America. And I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. And this moment, I invite you to participate in this program too. Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. And we're back on the program tonight. We remind you this program is brought to you by the College U Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. And also you can find out more about a podcast of recent sermons there. We'll also be podcasting sermons from our recent meeting there as well. You might want to check those out. Check out our podcast feed. Check out more about us at thevirtualbiblestudy.com. We're talking about voting tonight and uh, the question, can we vote and how should we vote? I think we've concluded. I, I believe the right conclusion is that we can vote. I don't know. I can't come up with any biblical principle that would forego the exercise of that right that we have as citizens. Not everybody have that right. <clears throat> if you lived in a in a in uh, some kind of a dictatorial country where you know you, you were just expected to do what the dictator says then that's what you'd have to do yes uh, and, but we live in a place where we're given this means to exercise our right of influence and we should do it i think okay all right uh, paul paul in the chat room you you suggested his comment before the break jacob i think it's really good one yeah He says, I do think that with some it's possible for politics to so overtake a person's life that it's too much, almost a religion to them. If they were as zealous about teaching others about Christ as they are their political agenda, it would be great. I realize that part of this discussion merges the two in regards to moral issues. And I agree with Paul, and I want to tell you that that Christians are often upset with the way the world's going, and they focus on changing the world through politics, and the scriptures never tell us to do that. Yeah, we change. We need to change the world by converting people one, at, one things, by one. Are things in the, con- in, in the country going the way you don't think they should go? Well, voting may help, but the way that God says to take care of that is by teaching the others the gospel. Yeah, and if everybody lived by the principles set forth in, in the gospel of Christ, the, the problems of the world would go away. Right. So that's the real answer. Right. And I also think that these 24-hour news channels and and all the political shenanigans that go on every day, I think they discourage Christians from doing what they can do in the society. Sort of throw up their hands and uh, and and say, "Oh, the politics are corrupt. The world is corrupt." Well, no joke. I mean, that's a fact of life. What are you going to do about it? Don't 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 get all depressed when you see the the, the news. Money. But it's not a new thing that politics right. are corrupt and that the world is corrupt. Right. It's, because the Roman Empire was one of the most corrupt been that governments way. that ever has been. Yeah. And that's Jesus there. And we was talking about the Apostle Paul and using the government where he could legitimately. So that's not a new thing. But that doesn't excuse us from not doing what we're supposed to right. do. Right. Uh, we didn't get anybody in the chat room jumping on that question. It was asked by guest 140. Uh, are women in subjection to their husbands to vote for the candidate candidate he tells her to vote for? Uh, well, I'm telling you what, that's a loaded question. Uh, women, uh, first, yes, women are to be in subjection to their husbands. Would that include that he could tell her, do this or don't do that? Uh, I think he can tell her, do this, and she should do it. I think a, 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 a husband 
who loves his wife the way he's supposed to, like Ephesians 5 says, is going to be careful about, you know, just sort of laying down the law and expecting, you right. know, uh, his wife to, to, to just jump, you know, at, at his every right. uh, move. I would, in, I think in a, in, in a more perfect union, <laughs> that what you would see is the husband and wife. You political there. Yeah, sort of quoting Abraham yeah. Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but you would hope that the husband and wife discuss such matters. The, you know, if it is an important way for us to exercise our influence as Christians, and you've got a husband and wife there who, who are working as a team <clears> to be the most effective Christian couple they right. can be, then hopefully that wouldn't be an issue. Yeah. You know, yeah, I would hope that would be a very minimal consideration. All right. Bonnie, your thoughts? Well, I believe that Jesus led by example. And if we're, as husbands, we need to lead our wives by example and not as an overbearing dictator. But we, should, as Greg said, we should discuss our viewpoints back and forth about it. And we should be able to lead our family by example. And we might need to say this is the way I think we should vote, you know, as a husband and wife. But... Well, I don't think we should be a dictator about it because we're supposed to be leading with love and not with a bullwhip. All right. Uh, John says the Bible authority given to husbands cannot apply to telling her what to think or vote. The husband's authority is to mimic Christ's authority over the church, possibly. What are your thoughts? Well, the Bible does say that the husband is the head of the wife and she's to be in subjection in all things and you know, voting would be included in yeah, all. Yeah, and uh, Christ did tell the church what to do. Yeah, and he did tell us what to think, too, by the yeah, way. Yeah, but... Yeah, but Hmm. That's a tough. That's a sticky one. Yeah, I think it's a tough. I, I w- again, I'm going to take the position. I think a, a husband could. I think. I mean, I, I think he can tell his wife, "Do this, don't do that," and the wife is to be submissive to her husband. But I don't I'm, think I'm, a loving husband would. Yeah, that's right. And I'm hoping that that in 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 practical application, I'm hoping that 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 doesn't happen. Okay, All right. All right. let's move on you quickly. You can keep commenting in the chat room if you'd like on that subject. We're going to roll on. Yeah, okay, we got to get on to these other questions. Oh, but uh, uh, along the lines of Paul saying everybody gets worked up, Tim uh, John says, I think uh, he, Paul, uh, John agrees with Paul's thoughts. Our prayer according to 1 Timothy chapter 2 is to pray for our leaders that we might be able to lead a quiet and peaceful life. Yeah. So we've got to That's remember that thing. as well. That's right, okay. And that, okay, that, that'll get into the next point. Yeah, the, the next question is, if and when Christians vote, what should be their specific priorities in choosing candidates? And I ask, uh, give a detailed list of moral issues that you think a Christian should consider, and should moral issues be the only thing a Christian considers? Okay. I've got Chris in Atlanta who says, first, most importantly, choose a candidate that we feel will not enact legislation that will violate God's commands. Okay. Two, someone who seems to be honest and will respect and uphold the Constitution. Number three, I prefer a candidate that knows the importance of limited federal government and supports giving more power to the states. I have way more influence with my vote for candidates on a state and local level than I do for U.S., Senate, House, and President. Well, I, and I, I think that I can see a connect. You know, you know, someone might say, well, Chris is just, he's just got this view of you know, states' rights and limited federal government. But he's saying he that, that his reasoning is based upon the fact that if if the federal government was less strong and local government was more strong, I'd be able to exercise my influence more over local matters. I don't, we, you know, none of us have very much say about what goes on in Washington D.C. We we actually do have more influence in our uh, the more local an election becomes, the more 
specific influence I can exercise. And right. So I, I think that's sort of behind what Chris is saying there. Okay. All right. Jack in Hampshire says the most important thing he chooses when choosing who to vote for is the school lunch program. <laughs> no. <laughs> he said respect for, respect for human life. Uh, respect for God should be first, but unfortunately there are many who say they respect God, but measuring this is too difficult to accomplish. The easiest and most direct way to see if they have any respect for God is to ask them if they respect the life of the unborn. Or more specifically, does life begin at conception? He also says that one of the next priority would be uh, the sanctity of marriage between only a man and a woman. And then uh, number three, living within a budget. He would get into those uh, more uh, fiscal things uh, down towards the bottom of the list. Yeah. Um, Chris goes on to say, if they are for or against killing unborn babies uh, is the issue most important to me. I know we have several challenges in this country with the economy, wars, and so forth, but I cannot support anyone who supports aborting babies regardless of how well they may handle the economy. Uh, I, I think, uh, and then he says, does the candidate support or are they a member of a religion that is hostile to Christianity? Okay. Uh, so I, I would agree with that. You know, and I don't want to be overly simplistic about this, but I got to tell you, there's, I got two issues that uh, uh, are absolute. Yes. Uh, so-called litmus test, as they throw that word around right. in political. If a candidate supports abortion, I will not vote for him. I don't care what political party he's a member of. I will not give my support to a man who's going to legislate in regards to legal abortion okay and secondly same-sex marriage mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm not going to vote for a candidate that's going to promote the homosexual agenda so I think both of those things I I actually money I actually don't know how a Christian could how could you vote for a candidate knowing now sometimes we get surprised you know sometimes the guy will run on a platform and then he gets up to Washington and somebody buys him out and he and he ends up voting differently than what he said he was going to but if you knew a candidate was going to support abortion and same-sex marriage, I don't know. How, That's you, what the Jack, Jack says. Those two, those are the two issues that uh, he considers before he votes. How could a Christian vote for such a person, Monty? Well, I, I'm the same way as you. That's the first two issues I go by, and then it, if they survive those two points, then might, we'll get into maybe some other more politically oriented things or physical oriented things beyond that. But to me, when you vote for a person. You're saying I agree with you, I support you, and I want you to and succeed. I want you to succeed yeah. with these views and, and issues that you're supporting and, and standing on. Well, if that person uh, supports the abortion rights issue or the, supports the same-sex marriage issue, uh, God is against those two things. I mean, we read it from the all, practically the beginning of time in the Old Testament, early on in Genesis. Human life is sanctified, and also against the homosexual thing. I mean, pretty early on in Genesis. You read about God destroying Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities right. for that homosexual issue. And then as you go through to up to the law of Moses, he condemns those things. Then you get into the New Testament, and those th- same things are still condemned. So if I vote for a person that supports that, then I am condoning what he does and, and enabling him to do that. So I'm participating with him in that. There's no way around it. I'm participating with him in it. And I just don't see how a person can pretend to call themselves a Christian and say they love God when they're supporting and condoning and participating with evil. All right. Uh, that's, that's well said, Monty. I think that that is, is exactly right. Uh, I, I just I just couldn't go there. Now, uh, we got to see. Uh, 
I was looking at the chat room real quick and looking at our email. We're waiting for your feedback. Give us some feedback along these lines. Cast your votes now. As a follow-up to that, should moral issues be the only thing that we consider in casting our vote? Uh, Chris says certain moral issues are the most important considerations for me, but there are other issues that are secondary. Jack says Jack had mentioned living within a budget, and and then he goes on to clarify not spending more than we take in is an important issue we should consider. What about budgetary kind of things? What about federal spending? Uh, well, you know, I think that that you could begin to factor those things in. For instance. What about welfare? You know, we got some politicians that are just in the in the mode of giving free handouts to anybody and everybody. When we know the Bible says, Second uh, Thessalonians three verse ten, if a man won't work, neither should he eat. I think that I could factor into my decision about candidates. How do they feel about uh, you know unrestricted welfare to undeserving yeah. recipients? Right. That's that is in effect that's a moral, moral question. Yeah, that's sure. a moral issue. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Um, and 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 I think you could you you perhaps could think of other things, but Jack mentioned living within a budget, and and so some of the budgetary things. What kind of things would a candidate support with tax dollars? You know, there, there's besides abortion and same-sex marriage, there's some other things that our government is is backing that we really are not in favor of. You know, uh, uh, as an example that comes to mind, the, the National Council for the Arts, I think, uh, has been in the news in, in years past, and, and, and the government funds it, and then they spend their money to promote this lewd and vulgar artwork. Right. Well, let's get rid of that. I'd like to vote for a candidate who says, we're going to strike them from the federal budget. You know, stuff like that. I think those are secondary. Those become a lot more fine-tuned. But, uh, yeah, I would think that you could take those kinds of things into consideration in addition to uh, the more prominent moral issues. All right. We need to take a break, and then we'll go to the top of the hour and uh, ask, can we vote for someone who differs with us on religious or moral issues? All right. right, let's Let's do that. And uh, as we go to the break, Paul gives us another thought, as another good thought for this break as well. Uh, Paul says slightly off topic, but he believes we have a responsibility to respect our leaders, to honor the king. New Testament Christians had this obligation under the brutal Roman Empire. It greatly grieved me when I heard people speak evil of leaders that I had respected more than the current president. I made it my commitment to not make personal attacks or speak disrespectfully of the man. I'm certainly willing to plainly teach about the things the Bible speaks about, abortion, homosexuality, etc., Amen to that. Paul. Yes, Paul, exactly right. You know, I I think probably most who are listening to us have some have some difference with the current administration in Washington. But I, I'm with you 100%, Paul, that we need to be respectful. Honor the king. And, of course, we don't have a king. We have a president. Honor the president. Honor that position. That's a position of authority. Right. Uh, from time to time, I listen to a talk show on the radio, and I have to just turn it off because... The commentator there will refer to President Obama as, as that idiot, that moron. Right. I, there's no place for that. No. And Christians should not engage in that kind of And Christians of will be held accountable, I believe, for saying things like that about our president and, yeah. uh, and our leaders in general. We've got yeah. to respect and honor them. Yeah, exactly right. All right. David, uh, when Saul was trying to kill him, 
still wanted to show he honor. He was the Lord's him. anointed. That's right. And yeah. we've got to follow that example in our life. 877-381-4567. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. Have you checked out all of the resources on collegeview.com lately? Check it out now while you listen to these important messages. The Virtual Bible Study will be right back after this. Tonight on Channel 8 WSIN, it's TV like you've never seen it before. Starting at 8, it's TV's funniest new comedy, Fornication in the City, and Marie has been misbehaving again. Guess what? I just cheated on my husband. He doesn't even know about it. (laughs) And then at 8.30, it's the show that's setting the standard. You won't want to miss this week's I Love This World, where Bob makes a great announcement. Well, I think it's time you knew the truth. I'm gay. (laughs) And at 9 o'clock. It's the show that Television Magazine has called the number one drama for murder and violence. You won't want to miss this week's In Cold Blood to see who will be the next to be gunned down. It all starts tonight at 8 o'clock on Channel 8 WSIN. I'm Greg Gwynn reminding you that sin is a terrible thing and that those who are entertained by watching others sin fall under the condemnation of God that is mentioned in Romans 1.28. Be careful what you watch on television because in spite of what the devil wants you to think, sin is always sin and it's never funny. I'm Arthur Haynes from Kaleoka, Tennessee, and one of my greatest highlights of the week is to listen to the Virtual Bible Study. Use your Internet connection for something good. Listen to the Virtual Bible Study every week. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program tonight as we talk about voting and uh, how we should vote. Yeah, and we've got, a, we, we, as we bring the program to close, and we, we want to, again, thank State Representative Joey Hensley for joining us early in the program to get get our discussion underway. Uh, actually, our interview with him, Jacob, brings up some questions here that we want to talk about at the close. Can a Christian vote for someone who differs with them on religious or doctrinal issues? Representative Hensley said he was raised in a Pentecostal, Pentecostal church, for instance. Okay. Um, we know that Mitt Romney running for president is a Mormon. Uh, so what about, uh, I, I know this guy does not agree with me on essential religious doctrinal right. matters. Right. Can I vote for him? Right. What do you think? Uh, right. We got a couple feedbacks uh, by email. We need, if you're in the chat room, say yes or no. Give us your yes or no. Uh, John, Paul, others who are in the chat room, can you vote for somebody? He, he, he's not in agreement with you on very basic right. doctrinal issues. Can you right. vote for him? Okay. Uh, Chris says, uh, I know of no candidate that agrees with God's word on all issues. I pick candidates that will not murder the unborn and will not interfere with my right to freely practice my religion. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, All right. And go ahead. Uh, And we have Jack who says he can. Otherwise, I would not vote for anyone, which is an opinion or which is an option. But when I cast a vote for someone, I believe I am responsible to pick the best of the two. All right. Uh, I'm, I'm a little bit. I'm a little bit uh, uncomfortable with the idea of picking the, the worst of two bad options. You know, the best of two bad. The, the, yeah, or, yeah, the least the, worst. The, 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 yeah, the, the least of two evils, the lesser of two evils, as it is said. Um, I think it might be a situation. You, you could you could imagine a situation where you got two guys, and I won't vote for either one of them. Yes. You know, and and that's a possibility. And and I've done that before. I think probably most voters have done that. Just say. I can't. I can't state a preference between those two. I don't like either one. I'm not going to vote for either one. Right. You know, and and, I, and that that's a choice. 
Okay. That, that's uh, what uh, Jack said. He said that's a choice. Yeah. Uh, so, um, but uh, as is mentioned in, in our feedback here, it, it's going to be effectively impossible to find anybody that's going to agree with us on every issue. So what do we do? Monty? Well, like we just mentioned, there may be a particular race come up that I choose not to vote for either of those candidates because I don't like the moral stand of either of them. Maybe both of them are for abortion. I've heard in a, on a radio recently there was some race that was running in some state or another, and, and all of the candidates, both Democrat and Republican, appeared to have the same, whatever issue they was discussing, I don't remember, but appeared to have the same views on that. So they was all, whichever one you voted for, you was going to get the same thing in effect. So it may be that both of them are supporting some something like the homosexual issue we was talking about or the abortion issue we was talking about. And if they're both supporting that, then I just won't vote for either of them. I don't have to vote for them. I believe it's an option that we have and a right as citizens that we can do that and be morally correct in doing it. But it doesn't mean that I have to vote for the lesser of two evils necessarily. Okay. Uh, the question has come up specifically about Mitt Romney being a Mormon, you know, and, and I think a lot of Christians are conflicted about that. I am conflicted about that because I have some ex- I have some past experience in, in studying with Mormons both uh, here in our own community and in other countries even and I know that they're very evangelistic I'm convinced that if Mitt Romney becomes the president that the Mormons will strongly use uh, his election the president to promote their Mormon position their, their Mormon faith and that that bothers me. I got to tell you, that really seriously bothers me. Okay. Uh, so I, I think I think that's the thing to take. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna try to to suggest what everyone should do about it. You're gonna have to you're gonna have to make your own decision about that. But I I do think that those things should be factored into dis, into the consideration. John uh, says if you're going to join the person in doctrinal and religious practices, then Second Corinthians two or Second Corinthians six answers that question with a no. However, in voting for a governmental official, you are not joining with him in religious beliefs and practices. Yeah, I understand right. that. I, I agree. agree with I agree, that. agree with agree you, John. That. That's the way I would look at that. Okay. Uh, so I think that I think uh, the reference is Second Corinthians six fourteen through sixteen. Uh, from not John. not participating with with him in the evil. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so, but I think the consensus uh, is that yes, we can. In fact, if we're going to vote, we probably almost certainly will be voting for men with whom we differ on some religious and doctrinal issues. And then I think it becomes a case-by-case decision, Jacob. You know, can, can, you know, is that going to really be a strong influence if he becomes the elected official? You know, if an elected official said, uh, uh, for instance, if a man was a Mormon, he says, I'm a Mormon, and if, if I'm elected... I, I intend to, uh, you know, promote the Mormon religion, right. uh, you know, uh, as the national religion. <laughs> well, I'm not going to vote for him, right? Right. You know, in other words, if he makes it clear that he is going to push his his religious conviction based upon being elected, then I'm not going to help elect him. Right. Right. Okay. So there, there'd be things to factor in, but I think okay. I think uh, pretty obviously, if we're going to vote, we're going to vote for guys who probably don't. Uh, agree with us on on lots of things. Yeah, I'm not so sure that a, a, a faithful Christian would have any chance of being elected in our society. Right. The other question: What about a man who has a history of known moral failings? We talked to Representative Hensley in our interview earlier. He he's a man who has some divorce history, and his yeah. and his opponent has has actually taken out big ads in the newspaper to highlight 
these things that happened in Representative Hensley's past. I actually thought his answer was good. There's another candidate running for U.S. Congress in our district who also has been brought out that he had some serious moral issues in the past, a number of years ago. What do we do about that? Can you vote for a guy, and it's pointed out, you know, this guy hasn't been a really upright guy his whole life. Yeah. What about that? Well, I thought Representative, you can tell me, Monty, what you thought. I thought Representative Hensley's answer was good, that we've got things in our past that we wish weren't there and that we've changed. You know, when you think about it, if we was going strictly on past performance, maybe even in a more distant past, the Apostle Paul had a past history of persecuting Christians to the point of putting them to death. Right. And even his reputation was so known that when he tried to join himself to a church there, he had to get Barnabas to vouch for him in order for them to accept him. So we've all, even people, spiritual greats like the Apostle Paul, have got things that we wish we hadn't have done. And I think he was, Apostle Paul made it clear that he really wished he hadn't have done that in his past. Yeah. But he did it. He couldn't fix that as far as changing that because it was done, but he could live right in the future. And I believe that's basically what Mr. Hensley was alluding to, that there was things in his past that he wasn't particularly pleased with. But we preach about repentance. And if a person has repented of those past failings, then I don't think we can really hold it against them. All right. Jack in Hampshire says, I would vote for the lesser of two evils or the one whose moral failings I feel they can overcome in hopes that this would be more likely to, this one would be more likely to change or listen to my views. And he also says, we all have a history of moral failings. Also, did they repent of these things? If so, I should forgive them and forget. And that's sort of what Chris has said in Atlanta. Chris says, there's no one alive who does not have a history of moral failings. It would depend on what those failings are. I suppose that's right. I think I would probably go more on where are they now in regards to those things. Like when we asked Representative Hensley, he said, that was 20 years ago. He said, I wish it hadn't happened, but that was 20 years ago. And I'm happily married now and trying to live that way. I'm not sure I – And we're not getting it all into the basis of his divorces and remarriages. But he is saying that's – in other words, he's not out there tonight engaging in sexually immoral things. We hope not. And that's not been charged. On the other hand, if you knew a candidate who was known to currently be engaged in all kinds of immoral behavior, then I'm not going to vote for him. Right. So I think you would take that into consideration. Yes. Okay. All right. Any other thoughts, Monty, before we conclude tonight about voting? Well, I just think we need to understand that this voting process is a serious thing that we do, and it's not something that should be entered into frivolously. And we need to take that responsibility seriously and do our best to vote for people if we're going to vote that we believe would help us to be able to live that quiet and peaceable life before God and help us to be able to worship freely. All right. Well, by this time next week when we return for the virtual Bible study, Lord willing, we'll know the outcome of this current political season. And, uh, you know, on the news today I saw a little girl crying because she was so tired of hearing about Obama and, and Romney. And she was she was crying, and her mother was assuring her on this little video they were showing that it'll be over soon. We're ready for it to be over. Well, and let's put it all in perspective. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 14. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. We're not going to stay here forever. And this world is not our home, and uh, there's a better country waiting for us, and we need to make sure that we're living this life 
in respect to that. And uh, these things are temporary and temporal, and we need to not let you know, The world is to going too. to go on, uh, uh, regardless of who wins this election, as important as we think it may be. The world is going to go on, and our responsibilities to serve the Lord are going to be the same next right. week as they were this week. All right. Our citizenship is in heaven, and let's yep. not forget that. Uh, that's our primary focus, even in this life. Exactly right. All right. Uh, well, thank you for your time tonight, Deb. Uh, thank you. Uh, I'm just looking one last comment from Guest 140. We should all be in prayer. Uh, yeah. Let's, let, we, we can pray. I think sure, the, the Scriptures teach us to pray for us to pray. civil yeah. authorities. Yes, we should. And I appreciate that comment. Appreciate all of our listeners for participating tonight. Monty, thank you for being a part of the program. Thank Appreciate you, your comments. And we hope that you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word, and we hope you'll make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And in the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.